Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. How much should you outline your plot before you write your story? Should you even outline? In today's episode, we're going to talk about why too much focus on plot can make your story dead on arrival. We'll also talk about the difference between story and plot. Nope, they're not the same thing. They require two totally different muscles, but you cannot have one without the other. All that and more on today's episode of Writer Unleashed. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Writers are often instructed to outline or plot their story first before they actually write it. I know writers who spend three months outlining before they sit down to write their story, and the advice tends to go something like this. Know your beginning, middle, and end. Create character sketches with a list of physical features and personality traits. Give your main character something he wants. Create the conflict. Next, map out the story's events. Choose a setting. Got all that? Great. Now you're ready to write. Now, let me start by saying that I understand the impulse to plot out a story, however loosely, before writing that first draft. I used to do this myself. I thought the best and only way to write a story was to follow a formula. So there was the beginning, and shortly after that, there was an inciting incident that introduced the conflict. There's rising action, then there's a climax, and a falling action, and finally a resolution. But what I found was that this approach led to my worst stories. But let's face it, first drafts can be scary. All this meandering, getting lost in a maze of possibilities and with all these images and associations flooding in and we get lost in the in in the quagmire of our material an outline provides a blueprint it's safe it's known territory it would seem then that knowing where our story is going before we write should produce our best stories but this is far from the truth because writing is largely an unconscious process So tip number one, explore your material first. Before you outline, write exploratory drafts. We never know what we're going to say until we start writing. 
Even if you do have an idea at the outset of where your story is headed, it helps to stay open to what your story is telling you about what it's trying to become. We don't really know what we're writing about until we're deep in the process. So maybe a minor character takes on a life of her own, spinning the story in a completely unexpected direction. Or you discover after several revisions that you're really probing your relationship with your mother, not your father. If you coerce your characters into doing things that merely satisfy this preconceived plot, if you pour your story into a template, the result is likely to be relatively shallow prose that's not satisfying to you or to your readers. Now, I'm not saying to abandon structure. I'm not denigrating it. Structure is essential. It shapes our prose. It provides a container so that a reader can receive it. But premature focus on structure and plot can stifle your story. It can stifle your voice. It can disturb the intuitive flow, that discovery or sublime truth that both you and your reader seemingly arrive at together. So rather than begin with an outline, just dive in. Don't know where you're going. Try that. Structure and plot is an evolving process. As you dive deeper and deeper into your material, as you inhabit your story and your characters through successive re-envisioning, you begin to see patterns and connections. You see a shape emerge. That's when structure becomes useful. Plot isn't something you do first and then you're done. Plot is a way of thinking your way through your story as you write it, as you revise it. Writing is a discovery of what we didn't know was in us. Now, this freefall approach might feel scary at first, but ultimately your voice will let loose. Our voice and by extension our stories can only flourish if we stay open and to a certain degree lose control. So write where the energy is. Don't try to will your work into something you think will be saleable. Don't try to will your work into what you think it should be. Write about what perplexes you, what hurts you, what breaks your heart. Trust that. Follow your curiosities. It's better to write a rich, loamy draft than a story that's too thin, which is what happens when we start out with a plot. You can always prune later. So number one, use exploratory drafts before you sit down to outline your plot. And number two, explore the difference between plot and story. So often we're asked, what is your story about? What is your novel about? What is your memoir about? And what people really want to know when they ask you that is what happens? In other words, what's the plot? Now, Aristotle considered plot the most important element of drama, more important than character, and early fiction concerned itself primarily with plot, not with character. It concerned itself with what happened, with changes of fortune, not changes of thought. But literature has evolved since then, and these days we read to connect with the inner lives of fiction and nonfiction characters. We don't just want to know what someone does or what happens to them. We want to know who it happens to. We want to know why. So a story that's plot-driven 
often lacks depth, complexity, and character. It keeps the reader on the surface of the story. And as brilliant and clever as your plot may be, the reader has a so what reaction to it. To be fair though, character isn't much without plot, without action, without that which happens. Without plot, we have what Jerome Stern calls the bathtub story. So in the bathtub story, character stays in a single, relatively confined space for the whole story or for a a large portion of the story. While in that space, the character thinks, remembers, worries, plans, whatever. Before long, readers realize that the character is not going to do anything and they lose patience. They realize that nothing's going to happen in terms of action. The character isn't going to interact with other people, but is just going to think about past interactions. Problems will not be confronted head on, but will be thought about. Troubles won't occur, but will be remembered. And that's the problem with the bath story. The character is never going to get out of the damn tub. And so the story is is largely in the past and there's there's no action. There's nothing happening. Now, I've read stories like this and it's really frustrating no matter how fascinating a character's mind is. So we need action. We need things to happen. Yes, we need plot, but we also need story. And there's a difference between story and plot. And most writers get into trouble because they conflate the two. They focus way too much on plot and not enough on story, and often to the exclusion of story. So back in the 80s, when I was first taking fiction writing workshops, there seemed to be this huge glut of lawyers attending who wanted to be the next John Grisham. They were writing what they knew, these intricate and wild court criminal cases that were exciting and dramatic with all these endless twists, mega suspense. To their credit, their plots were fantastic, but there was no story, no character development, no emotion, no setting, no sensory detail. As writers, we're in the business of world-making, and these lawyers had not built a world, they'd built a scaffold. And that kept us on the surface of their stories. So we were never able to enter deeply into it. We couldn't touch it or or sense it in any tactile way. We couldn't become intimate with their characters. So here's the difference between plot and story. And this is a concept I learned from the screenwriter Peter Dunn. Plot is what happens. This happened, then this happened, then this, and so on. It's the series of events and situations that occur along the trajectory of your story. Story is what it does to the who that it all happens to. It's the emotional architecture. So plot gives us the action. The story provides the reaction, the story's emotion. Peter Dunn says this, the story is the journey for truth. The plot is the road it takes to get there. So you can think of your plot as coming from external, uncontrollable sources. So this could be in the form of another character or characters. 
acts of nature, an illness, or the death of a loved one, for example. Now, we may not identify with your character's particular plot problems, but we will connect in every other way to his or her story problems. So Peter Dunn believes that as long as the story emotions are true, the plot can be anything you like. He says the emotional through line, the emotional structure is the first story to be developed deeply. Only then can the plot be developed to serve it. So plot is in service to the characters, not the other way around. Now, when I first heard this, This was a liberating concept for me. During my first several years attempting to write stories, I was completely focused on the wrong thing. I thought that I had to have the plot before anything, before I could even attempt to create characters. I thought plot was the most important requirement of any story. So I kept writing predictable plot-driven stories that plotted onto predictable endings. And my characters were flat, and one-dimensional. And this had a really numbing effect on my beta readers, of course. That's because I didn't understand the difference between plot and story. So let's take a look at the novel Lolita. And this is one we're all pretty familiar with, most of us. And we're going to tease the story from the plot. So as far as plot goes, here's what happens. Humbert moves to a small New England town to write He rents a room in the house of a widow, Charlotte Hayes, and it's here that he meets her 12-year-old daughter, Dolores, a.k.a. Lolita, and he immediately becomes smitten, and he boards at the house only to be near her. Then while Lolita is away at summer camp, Charlotte, who has fallen head over heels in love with Humbert, gives him an ultimatum, marry her or move out. Now, he's not even remotely attracted to Charlotte. In fact, he's pretty repulsed by her, but he still agrees to marry her in order to continue having Lolita in his life. In fact, marrying Charlotte ensures he'll have Lolita in his life. Now, Charlotte, of course, is oblivious to Humbert's distaste for her, and she's clueless about his lust for Lolita. Then she reads his diary, and she learns of his true feelings for her and his intentions for her daughter. Then as she runs across the street in a state of devastation, Charlotte is struck and killed by a passing car, which turns out to be pretty convenient for good old Humbert. So Humbert picks Lolita up from camp under the guise that her mother is in the hospital recovering from an accident, and he takes her to a motel. And this is where their sexual relationship begins. Now, Humbert discovers early on that he's not, in fact, her first lover. So he then reveals the truth, that her mother's dead, and that Lolita has no choice but to accept her stepfather into her life on his terms because she has, quote, absolutely nowhere else to go. And for the next two years, Lolita and Humbert drive around the country, moving from state to state and motel to motel. And he fosters this baseline of guilt and denial to keep their relationship secret. And he tells Lolita if he's arrested, she'll become a ward of the Department of Public Welfare and she'll lose all her clothes and all the presents he's given her. And he continues to bribe her 
for sexual favors, though he knows that she does not reciprocate his love at all. Then eventually Lolita disappears. She escapes Humbert. So Humbert embarks on this frantic search to find her, and then eventually he gives up and he, he just can't find her. Then one day, Humbert receives a letter from Lolita, who's now 17, and she tells him that she's married, pregnant, and in desperate need of money. So Humbert goes to see her. She tells him that after she left him, she worked some odd jobs before meeting and marrying her husband, who knows nothing about her past. And she basically tells Humbert that he ruined her life. So Humbert gives her a large sum of money so that her future is secure. She says goodbye. And the novel closes with Humbert's final words to Lolita, in which he wishes her well. So for the most part, that's what happens. There are some other things that go on, obviously, but that's the condensed version of what happens. So, okay, so that's the plot. But now, let's track the emotional architecture of the novel, or the story itself. Humbert provides the context for his obsession with Lolita early on by recanting the loss of his first childhood love, Annabelle, and this suggests that the rest of the novel deals with his attempt to recapture that love. Okay, so that's the emotion. Then everything that happens, the plot, At every juncture, he's forced to make a choice, and every choice he makes pushes him closer or further away from his desire. When he's given the opportunity to become a boarder at Charlotte's house, he accepts because it brings him closer to Lolita. When Charlotte gives him the ultimatum to marry her or get out, he marries her, not because he loves her, but because he wants to continue to live with Lolita. He even plots to kill Charlotte so that she doesn't get in his way. When Charlotte gets struck by a car and dies, he releases his stepdaughter from camp. Now, he could bring Lolita back home and be a normal stepfather and give her a normal life and allow her to grieve. He could do the right thing, but he doesn't. He gives in to his irrational desires. He's continually pulled towards those desires, and his logic is very faulty, very skewed. And throughout the next two years, he continually tries to control Lolita by manipulating her fear of being alone. But going even deeper, what's running underneath all of this is his own sense of guilt, his own awareness that what he's doing is fundamentally wrong and immoral. He knows this. His awareness is suppressed. We sense it. It's subtle. And that's because it's accumulating beneath the surface events. Until the climax, the moment when he's forced to confront the harm he's done. And to not only confront it, but give voice to it. Until then, his truth has escaped his consciousness. And so there's a culminating moment at the end of the novel where he just can't deny it anymore. And it's the first time he acknowledges the relationship as incest. It's the first time he names it as such. So without the emotional movement, if we just had the plot with no story, This would just be a sordid novel about a pedophile and his victim. We'd say, how horrible, then so what? The interesting thing is by the end of the novel, we really come to realize that Humbert 
truly loves Lolita. His obsession with her was always about a search for love, and that's the driving emotion of the story. That's what motivates him. So it helps to think of your character as having a desire, something concrete. By the end, your character either gets what he wants or doesn't. If we think in terms of desire and resistance, that each scene, chapter, and so on either takes your character closer to or further away from his desire, that's basically your plot. We use plot to help us see patterns in your character's life or you know, the emotional footprints. So I caution you against outlining your plot first and then pouring your characters into a mold, forcing them into some preconceived set of actions. I know for myself when I've tried to do this, my characters have punished me by forcing me to write total junk. Now, I'm not saying that we can't be aware of plot while we're writing. It's just that plot isn't really an outline that you do once and then you're done. Plot is a way of thinking about your story. It's an evolving process. You can move back and forth between story and plot as you're writing, as you revise, and as you revision your story. So to drive this all home, the next time you read a story or novel or memoir, try to extract the story from the plot, from that which happens. Try to make that distinction. What's the emotional movement of the story? What's the hidden story? What's the emotional through line? And then how does the plot, what happens, serve that story? And here's an exploratory exercise from Brett Lott that focuses on story rather than plot. So here's where we're going to lose the plot temporarily. Remember, we want to develop deeply the emotions of the story before we start developing plot. So this is what exploratory drafts are great for. So we're going to write a scene in which nothing happens. All right, so basically we're writing a bathtub story. So write a scene in which someone is sitting in a room or any confined space. Of course, it doesn't have to be a bathtub. It can be an office. It could be a bedroom. It really can be anywhere. And write what he or she is thinking. And what I want you to do is link five thoughts and their associations back at least 10 years. Couple those thoughts with the growing cold of the water or the way the afternoon light through the bathroom window fades. You want to do this with time passing in the here and now. So as you're in the here and now, the the character is, is traveling back in time. So there's a time loop here. Now, if you're lucky, you'll know this person's life by the time you're through and have never left the tub or the room. So the objective here is that we develop the backstory. We want to explore who these characters are before we meet them on the page, before the curtains open on the story itself. We want to know what's driving them, what their irrational desires are, what's motivating them through the story, through the plot. So number one, Tease out the story from the plot in something you read and ask yourself, what's the emotional structure? And number two, write an exploratory draft where nothing happens, where the character is thinking. Five thoughts 
with associations going back 10 years or more. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you next week, same time, same place. If this show resonates for you, please leave a review. And if you haven't already, subscribe. I come to you each week jam-packed with tips and techniques to write stories that matter to you and that matter to your readers. Keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.